Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 457 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Rod Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. Good morning. Catching up on uh, a lot of spoilers, actually. <laughs> yes, we have a huge chunk of Lost Caverns of Ixalan, and this set is absurd, and I'm super hyped to talk about it, and that's going to be one of our big topics today, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We got another co-host in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How are you today? Morning. Uh, I'm awake. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> would be hard to podcast while sleeping, I think. I haven't cracked yeah. that one yet. That would be the ultimate, though. Can you imagine how much content you could get done if you could oh my God. make it while you were sleeping? <laughs> yeah. We just did a sleep stream. <laughs> Yo, sleep streams are wild, dude. Like, if, having a mod help you with that. Also, on top of that, I had, like, the wildest weekend uh, uh, story. Ooh, what so, uh, what happened in the Krim weekend? I'm curious. Uh, okay, so I, I I go out to a local One Piece TCG tournament, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and so I I I have I, I shuffle my deck up, you know, I I I deal out my hand, I get all this stuff, and then there's a life deck, right, where that you normally draw stuff uh, you draw from when someone hits you, uh, and so my opponent hits me, and. I reveal a farewell off the top of my life pile. Wait, and I literally guess, farewell? Like yeah, the magic like, card? <laughs> like the magic card. So Did I realize. Cute? What happened? I mean, I call the judge on myself and they're like, oh. Uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> how did you do that how did you, your cards are sleeved right did you have the same yeah, sleeves how did they a farewell are, end up in your one piece deck <laughs> they are in the same sleeves as one okay. of my commander decks and i guess at some point it got into my deck so i so you have a, a deck cap of 50 cards i had 51 cards and i guess the 51st card was from a literal just a different card game and so <laughs> that you caused get thrown out for commotion. cheating what, what tell, no. tell us the the op no. rules for for one piece did you get a game loss did your tournament end right there <laughs> no 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 they allowed me to get back into it uh with because you know they allowed me with fr- that power of anime and friendship they also just told me <laughs> take that card obviously de-sleeve it get it out of here and take a random card from your your deck and then just put it on top because it is it is equivalent to like an fnm right it's not even like a big <laughs> it's like a big tournament so like i think if this were like comp rel yeah definitely i'd be dq'd <laughs> They, they didn't Although, let you resolve it, though, and wrath your opponent's no. uh, One Piece cards away? No. God, okay. no, I wish. I wish. <laughs> oh, the crim life. Oh, that that's actually a hilarious story. What are the odds? You, I, I've heard of people having, you know, I forgot to de-sideboard or something. I don't know if I've ever heard of someone having a card from the wrong game in their deck, though. That is, uh, that like, is, Yo, this new is the new One Piece secret layer. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... Anyway, outside of uh, farewells and one piece, our topics for today are mostly going to be Lost Caverns of Ixalan spoilers. We have so many cards, mechanics, cool things to talk about. Also, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the blogatog, Mark Rosewater's blog. There's been some topics about universes beyond on there that I think are interesting. So I wanted to mention that and then talk a ton of spoilers. So that's the plan for today. Before we get into it, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And if you ever get tired 
tired of the hassles of buy listing, Card Conduit lets you skip them. You can use a curated service and send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to do a bit of work, you can use this sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. And either way, you're going to get a detailed report with their results and a fast payment once your order is processed. And you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thanks to Card Conduit for supporting this show. And let's talk some magic. And let's start with what I think will be the, the smaller topic. And then we'll dig into the, the meat of the spoiler season of Lost Caverns of Ixalan. So I, I want to ask you all about Mark Rosewater's blog. So what got me thinking about this is, if you don't know Mark Rosewater, he's the head designer at Magic, and one of the awesome things about Mark is he is very interactive with the community. He has a blog on Tumblr, uh, Tumblr the Blogatog, which is basically just like fans asking him questions and him responding to those. So last week we talked a lot about Marvel coming to Magic, the big universes beyond thing. And uh, this has led to a big conversation. Some people like it, some people hate it, all that stuff. Uh, but what ended up happening is someone went back through Mark Rosewater's blog, Atog, going back to, I want to say 2011 was the first one, up through 2018, and found a bunch of questions where people would ask Mark, uh, what about other IPs coming to Magic? What about other IPs? Will we ever see other IPs coming to Magic? And every answer is, no, we make our own world. We make our own worlds. We're not going to do this. We don't do sets based on other IPs. And this has been floating around as like some sort of gotcha to Mark Rosewater. Like, ha, Mark, you said, you know, you wouldn't do this and now you're doing it. Is that fair? Like, it, it, first off, is this even a fair gotcha? Because when I read it, I was like, well, sure, I see what you're saying. But at the same time, like, can't people change? Can opinions change? Like, couldn't new information have been presented between 2018 and 2022 or 20, whenever Universe Beyond started that would, like, maybe the answer is different now for reasons beyond Mark's control. Or maybe Mark doesn't get to choose and he's going to, you know, support Wizards because that's his job. Maybe he doesn't even like Universes Beyond and he, you know, someone else made that decision and he supports it because that's what he does as the head designer at Magic. But what do you think? Is this a fair gotcha to Mark? No, Seth, you must lock in your opinion <laughs> yeah. for the rest of your life. You cannot use any new information <laughs> <laughs> to update anything. So, uh, you know those those tweets you made when when you were in middle school? That's you. Yeah. Don't yeah, attempt to forever. change. Like, oh yeah. my goodness, this angers me. Okay, so Mark has stated multiple times he does this as a way to like engage his community. It's not even part of his job. He actually like has to do his real job and he spends time to engage with the community. And if you are going to cause trouble over him trying to help us glean insight into Watsi, they're just going to nix it. This is a way to kill Blogatog, right? They'll be <laughs> like, uh, actually, I don't want to deal with like this random backlash of like random people talking about stuff, so we'll just cut it, right? So this is a good yeah. way to get Blogatog canceled if you, if you want to keep digging this up. But, you know, Mark is obviously very high up at Watsi, right? He... You know, it's his opinion, but he obviously speaks on behalf of the company, right? He's not going to come out and say something that's like outright wrong or goes against, you know, the the vision or whatever of Watsi. But stuff changes. I'm sure 10 years ago, they were all like, yeah, we want to build magic IP, right? I'm sure yeah. they're like, we don't want Marvel, really. But then here we are, right? They're like, actually, it's much easier to sell Lord of the Rings than it is to sell magic IP. Uh, today, he, he reiterated that. They are focusing on their world still. And I truly believe that. Like, they, they want to make their worlds work. Uh, but 
if there's easy money on the side, you better believe they're taking that too. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's fair to try to pin comments from literally 11 years ago and say like, hey, you guys, uh, you guys didn't do what you stated 11 years ago. A lot of stuff has happened in the past 11 years. And I would actually be sad if they held every statement they made, um, you know, set in stone like this, right? Because that means they're not changing. They're not using new information. They're, they're basically just doing their, their thing. So uh, I think this is fine. And I, I don't know if people are actually serious about this or they're just using like anything as a means to start complaining about universes beyond. <laughs> but like, they were really, like 11 years ago, this is like, if you said this like two months ago, then you're like, oh, well, that's suspicious, right? But like 11 years ago, like, jeez. There was definitely one person on Reddit who was going through every thread regarding Universes Beyond and, like, responding to every comment with the image of all those blogatog posts. Just, like, every comment was just that, that spam it, spam it. Did you see he said this? Did you see he said this? Uh, what do you think, Grim? I mean, the internet, reading between the lines and understanding the nuanced subtleties of, like, you know, all these things uh, that are said online, I, that couldn't be them. I don't know. I feel like the internet is uh, very, very good at being reasonable. No, I'm kidding. Of course, <laughs> this is unreasonable. Like this, I, like think, like just like Richard had mentioned, anything that you like that that Mark tweeted, like what over a decade now, was that you say 2012? 2012 up to the most recent one was 2018. I want to say so over that okay. span of time. So like interesting if, if how five to eleven years ago is where the the, <laughs> the stuff happened. They couldn't find something from last year, which would actually yeah. support the cause, right? But even even if they found something from last year, who's to say something doesn't happen within a year's time, right? Uh, I, like I don't know. I I guess clearly uh, <laughs> the internet has also let me know uh, <laughs> that they do not like uh, the the. I don't know. I, I view things a little differently. So obviously I think that it is, uh, you know, not, it just makes no sense to me. It's not reasonable to me. I don't think the, the internet understands a lot of things. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Watsy, Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast design team, like they're not one entity. There could be differing opinions. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, arena economy sucks. I'm sure some people in... Hasbro and Wizards, maybe even Hasbro C-Suite thinks it sucks, right? But they, you know, they have to come to cons- come uh, to a consensus as a company. And, you know, there must be a single opinion for them to do something, right? So it's possible that there are people in Wizards that hate Universes Beyond and think it's, you know, not the future. And then there's others that do. And over time, the, the power... It's like a game of commander, right? Over time, the power the power shifts, and they they gang up on each other, and, and politics and, and whatnot, and the prevailing wisdom changes. You know, they're like it's fog meta now. It, it, that's universes beyond time, right? Uh, like you know, not, like it changes. So it's not. I don't know. I, my conclusion is not Marl lied, right? Like yeah. he's saying what is the prevailing opinion at the time, or his prevailing opinion at the time. And that could be many things, right? It could be one of many opinions. It could be the opinion changed over time. It could be new information caused things to change. Market forces happen, like whatever. (laughs) This is like, this is before before COVID, right? Like who who would have expected any of this, right? Like this was before Arena. Like, Like who would use this information for anything, right? This is a long time ago. And it's important to just realize what Mark does. He's like the head designer, but he also, as you said, like there's a whole bunch of people that run Watsy and Hasbro and he 
doesn't necessarily have control over all of those things. Like he probably has control over things within the card design process, but choosing what products, I would be surprised if that was like part of Mark Rosewater's job to like have any authority over what products they actually make. So it's important to realize that too, that like this isn't, even if it, his opinion is negative of uh, universes beyond, which I don't think it is because he posted something about how the Marvel playtesting like really won him over to how awesome this could be because he loves Marvel or something. So I think he likes universes beyond now, uh, but it's possible that he could uh, he could have that opinion and other people would overrule him. I think it's also you can see like one thing that you see on the blog. I talk a lot is the storm scale. And I think this is another example of that. The storm scale is like a rating of how likely it is for a mechanic to return. And you'll see some big changes in there. Like one is like almost certainly going to return and 10 is like almost certainly never going to return. And over the course of people tracking the storm scale, in fact, for example, went from like a two, which is like almost as evergreen as possible to a 10 where it's like almost never going to come back for sure. That's just the nature of like magic and changing and growing, right? Like, I don't think he's lying when he said, in fact, was a two. Things have just changed over the course of time. I do got to ask you, though, one other question about this before spoilers. So there was a post asking about will Watsi keep uh, designing in universe sets, even the, even if universes beyond blows up and outsells in universe sets. And Mark's response was there's a lot of important business reasons to keep making in universe magic sets. My question is. Does this actually matter? Like, if we think of the blog as like a snippet in time of Mark Rosewater's opinion, do we take this to mean five years from now, this is 100% guaranteed they keep making in universe sets? Or does this represent Mark's personal opinion in 2023? Like, how much weight should we put into things that Mark Rosewater says on his blog? Because as we say, things do change and people grow and evolve and the company changes. Like, how much weight do you put into a statement like that? I believe Wizards is doing that, and you will see this in the next one or two years, but that doesn't mean their opinion changes in two months. I think the perfect analogy is like organized play or whatever, where every six months they roll out this like brand new organized play system, and they're like, look, we've solved everything, and we're going to do it, and they start working towards it, but in four months they're like, wait a minute, we got it wrong, we got we to change it to this thing, right? So... I believe currently they do believe in-world is still important and they're working on it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't change, right? If, if they go Lord of the Rings into Marvel into Final Fantasy and magic grows 5x in size and makes more money than you've ever seen in your life, do I think they'll still do their in-universe world? No, right? They'll be much lower priority, right? Information can change. Market forces can dictate what happens. So... Yeah, like currently they're doing this, but lots of stuff can happen to change that between now and five years from now, right? Yeah. Oh, that's too. That's way too much logic. Calm down, Richard. Calm down, Richard. <laughs> no, no, we, we will. I'm gonna screenshot this. I'm gonna put it on yeah. my wall, and yeah. then every day I'm gonna comment about how Marl lied to me, and then my my trust. <laughs> In large uh, corporations <laughs> that make card games has been shattered. I oh, I mean, oh. You brought up a really I, good point earlier. Like, I want Mar Mara to keep doing this. He doesn't have to do it. This isn't his job. He does it for fun. Yeah. And if it becomes too much of a hassle, he might stop doing it. We lose this really interesting glimpse inside the psyche of, like, Watsi and Magic's head designer. So... I would say, like, treat it for what it is. Like, this is Mark's 
stating what's happening at a current point in time. Things change all the time. We see that with the storm scale. We see that with the universes beyond. It doesn't mean he's lying. And I'm afraid if we get too critical, we just lose this altogether. Not that you can't criticize wizards and there's plenty of things to criticize them about, but I don't think something Mark Rosewater said in 2011 and it not, not working out in 2023 is one of the, the things that we should actively be, you know, picking up the pitchforks about. So just keep that in mind that if it becomes too negative, I could see maybe Mark just drops it and stops doing it. And that would be really sad. Yeah, there's I mean, there's a fine line between like critiquing something, right? Like definitely critique stuff, right? Always speak your mind within reason about stuff. So, yeah, but just, you know, also don't blur that with just being like a weenie. Don't do that either. (laughs) Anyway, any other thoughts on this or should we move on to some Lost Cavernons of Ixalan spoilers? We have so many spoiler cards. Before, Richard, before you take us away, what's your like super quick one sentence? Like, how good do you think this set is? Because I got to say, like, I I feel like I do this almost every set, but this set seems absurd to me. It seems like so flavorful, so powerful. But what do you guys think? Is this like an above average power level set or, or no? Am I just getting too hype like usual? Uh, I actually had this uh, discussion on my, my stream trying to rank all the power levels of current standard set. And I also, like, we one thing we realized is, I, I first off, A, I think this is extremely, the set is really good. I think this set is really, really good. But I also realized how much we've been, like, you know, the, the whatever, three strad, the third Innistrad, Tokyo Drift or whatever, the third one? Uh, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, but the third, the return to Innistrad three times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that set is Hunt. super. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Crimson Vow. Crimson yeah, those Val, two. Yeah. I, I don't remember the names. That Tokyo set, Drift. I guess <laughs> it, it got, I feel like it slept on. Because that set is actually like super powerful. Like we all, I kind of just feel like in standard, we kind of forgot how powerful it is. Like Dominaria United had Leyline Binding, all this other stuff. Uh, but like, I actually think that like, we had this discussion about what's the most powerful set in standard right now. And I would actually think that like, okay, Kamigawa is like up the, like is probably the best thing. And then it probably goes cavern and cavern is like right there with like midnight hunt and, and all of the, or which, whichever one has meat hook. Oh, wait, but what's actually good from that set instead? Like Adeline's good. The lands are good. What the makes lands are good? We had Meat Hook. Then we also oh, had yeah. uh, Trespasser. We like you don't okay. think about it, but there's actually a lot of like powerful cards in that set. Uh, they just don't they don't like pop up like like how I don't know like an, a Shieldred or an Oko does, right. right? But like when you look at the set overall, it's actually pretty powerful. Interesting. Like, there, there's you a might, lot of hmm. play Maybe cards. you're right. Why like, does this I, matter? <laughs> Are we just well, buying a box of Lost Caverns and building a standard deck? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, just... In the grand scheme, uh, like, in, like if you compare everything uh, like in the power of standard, I think that Lost Caverns looks really good. And I think so you, uh, like may, maybe right now it, it might be slept on uh, because like, Kamigawa is still clearly at the top because you have Channel Lands and all of that stuff. But like I think this set's pretty good. So you think it's a strong set? Ab- above average yeah. power level, you would say. What do you think, Richard? Yeah. Is it strong? It, it looks strong, but like I don't even understand half the cards, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure if I can make an informed choice. Like the mechanic I was like, "Oh, I, like so if you don't know, Nia took our our, our editor/helper like is like 
rules master, right? So we always ask him, and like we have to ask him for like every card in the set. We're like, there, there's like things where the you know like there there are cards that flip to the other side. Sometimes they exile and come back. Sometimes they just flip, right? Uh, there, there's cards. Uh, we'll talk about one of the cards that has lots of wordy text about base power and current power and, <laughs> and difference and counters. Uh, the mechanics even sound the same, descending and descended. Uh, and then like one of them is like kind of delirium, but not. And then like there's discover, which is like cascade, but not. So and then there's oh, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And we're not even going to talk about like the amount of cards that flip into lands and how much text is going on. But from what little I understand, <laughs> it looks good. And I'm sure this is going to be one of the cases where we're like, oh, this card actually works like this. And then if you do this, it's actually busted. But no one really understood that. So we'll, we'll see some uh, hidden gems pop out, I think, too, because there's just so many, so many new cards and the power level is high. So you have potential for role players like all the way down to common. Right. So uh, I, I think we'll yeah. see some good stuff. Like oh, the uncommons okay. are like cracked. I think they're absolutely like some of these uncommons are insane. Yeah. I mean, it, it, did you see that that Reaper Claw Raptor? That's whenever a player casts a spell, if it's not their turn, Reaper Claw Raptor does four damage to that. <laughs> that card's just cracked against you, Grim. <laughs> oh, I, I, but I think it's good in general. It's no, just it is. So it good. is a decent. Right? It seems like at least a good sideboard card to hate on the all the instant speed decks. It's what like a three mana four three. So yeah, it's yeah. got got decent stats. Yeah, the uncommons I would agree. The uncommon power level overall I think is really high in this set. But let's talk some spoilers, Richard. Why don't you guide us through some spoilers and new mechanics? All right, you can check out all the cards at mpgpreviews.com. Uh, let's start off uh, with the with one of the face cards. Quintorius Cond. Boros, five mana planeswalker. Three red and a white. Four starting loyalty. Uh, Quintorius is, is, is the planeswalker. Where's Quintorius from? Like, Ixlod? Strixhaven? I think originally right? we saw him Strixhaven, yeah. yeah. Whenever you cast... Okay, this is a static, because we all have to have static abilities now, right? <laughs> Whenever you cast a spell from exile, Quintorius deals two damage to each opponent, and you gain two life. Plus one, create a 3-2 red-white spirit creature token. Minus three, discover four. Minus six, exile any number of target lands from your graveyard. Add red for each card exiled. You may play those cards this turn. So discover... Oh, discover is hilarious, because we just talked about banning Cascade. <laughs> So discover is basically cascade, except you 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 the the restriction is not mana value; it's that number. So discover four, and then you also have the choice of not casting the spell and just drawing a card. So in, in case it's you cascade, better. their example was like, "Oh, what if you cascaded into a combat trick or something when you didn't want it?" So now you can just draw a card. Um, but yeah, they fixed cascade uh, yeah. by making they it more it powerful, <laughs> technically. I can't believe I mean, they made it more powerful. Isn't isn't this card really good? So I feel like one thing I've noticed with Discover is you really see a gap in card evaluation with people who've been around a while and played with Cascade and newer players who haven't played with Cascade. Because if you read like the spoiler thread of this card on the Arena subreddit, a lot of people are like, boy, this looks unplayable, it looks horrible. When I read this, I think of like Bit Blast and other like random five mana Cascade spells that were so good back in their time. Isn't this just like five mana Planeswalker, you cascade, you gain two life because you are casting a spell from exile, 
And then you have a planeswalker left over on the battlefield that can plus to make three twos. Like, isn't this actually a really good planeswalker or no? Am I am I like totally just like <laughs> way too scared of Cascade and Discover and overrating it? Because I feel like this card's like super good. I think this card is hot garbage. Wow. <laughs> no respect for the Discover. <laughs> <laughs> His card is actually hot garbage, but we're going to find out. You know, uh, I'm hoping I'm wrong, uh, but like as of right now, it's in red and white, right? Like it's in red and white, which we have to see if there is a color pairing. If that, if, if Boros takes off or some kind of like Boros X kind of deck, I, I'm curious, or maybe like even four color control, right? Like if they decide to bring it in, I don't know. It, is this good enough to play in it? Like it, what what are you hitting? Like wedding announcement, maybe, or or, or like some random you you draw a card. I don't know. It's it's like minus four or minus three draw card. If at, at its deal worst, right? Well, well, you don't no. deal yeah, the damage. You don't even cast. If you oh, draw, if you draw, right? yeah. If you yeah, draw, yeah. you don't get it. Yeah. But I mean, what cast a, it? It's what like, about it's the random? What about it's the for five mana. You got the the static ability lines up really well with the Pia, like reckless impulse, do all the impulse draw. Like it is five mana, which is like yeah. high for that deck, but like the static seems very strong there, right? In a Pia deck, sure. If you get to five mana, yeah. Also like, adventures. You... Adventures are cast from exile. Like I feel but... like the static ability is being slept on. I feel like in an adventure slash reckless impulse standard, the static's actually like, I think good. But that's exactly the shell. I mean, don't get me wrong. That lines up more with what Magic wants to do, which makes Planeswalkers less universal, I guess, probably. And then makes it like more, hey, specific archetype, right? But this is, I feel like, in standard, a little too not good for five mana. What do you think, Richard? Cascade. So this card is hot trash or insanely broken. <laughs> like, like this is uh, this is like a dredge card or something, right? Like either there is a shell that breaks it. Um, I don't know. Like we have leyline binding, right? Like, can you yeah. maneuver your deck in a way such that discover four is not random? And if you can, then this card could be very strong. But if you're just actually like taking a random Boros pile and throwing it in, then this card is terrible. Uh, so I don't know. Is there some combination of evoke elementals and leyline bindings that we can play? Can we cascade into some Rhinos or something? Like, is there well, uh, are there zero mana spells in standard that have some insane restriction that do something incredible that a, you can well, game your deck into casting? Can't, can't hit leyline. What about the... No, no, that's the whole point, right? You have... So yeah. the, the reason this sucks is you have to play a curve, yeah. right? And then if you have a curve, you can discover into a one mana spell. And even if you just draw, like that's terrible use of five mana. So you oh. want to stack your deck so that what? you have one mana interaction, but it doesn't trip up the discover. I, you know, basically what look at all the Cascade modern decks, right? What like, can we do that in standard? What about just playing it the way Garfield intended, randomly? No, like, that's think terrible. Of, think of think of that's think of Bloodbraid Elf. Think of Bloodbraid Elf in, in John, where you like spin the Bloodbraid, hopefully get a Liliana. Sometimes it's a lightning bolt, sometimes it's a Thawsies, but you deal with it because like it's free value. Can we not play the fair Quintorius Khan? Just like 
Obviously, you'd want to think about your curve a little bit, but do we really need to be like rhinoing or living ending to make this worth it? You can't just play it like, hey, I'm going to spin into something and hopefully it's good. I mean, the average cards like power level in modern was high enough so that a blood break could work. And if you're going back to standard, a it's four mana, it right, and it's it's a three two with haste, which is much better than this minus three. Discover four. <laughs> it isn't okay. That that is dope. That is dope. Like that is very cool. But five mana minus three, put it at one loyalty, and like like which by the way gets like endless festivityed from a, one of the. In a Strad Tokyo Drift sets, uh, by the way, uh, like is is it kind of feels bad, man. <sighs> I'm, the sta- I'm also sticking sucks. by it. I'm not I'm even sure this ultimate it. is useful. And then the oh, I, did, I don't even look mediocre. at ultimates. <laughs> I mean, the plus but, isn't that three. But that's two. the insurance, right? Like, if you somehow made it, your ultimate wins the game. But I'm like, this ultimate is kind of suspect. <laughs> like, you gotta <laughs> be playing a certain kind of deck for this to work. <sighs> We'll see. I think it's. I think it's going to be good. I think people are sleeping on it, but well, maybe I'm overrating it because I'm so scared of Cascade. <laughs> it's not Cascade, though, Seth. It's Discover. It's fixed. It's better yeah. Cascade. It's fixed. Also, Cascade cards aren't attached to a five mana like thing, right? They're pretty like mana efficient, unless it's like they're they're cheating it in some. We're playing Bloodbraid Elf in Modern now, just for the Cascade. <laughs> so I'm not sure. <laughs> pretty Bloodbraid Elf is good. Dude. But Seth, this triggers up the beanstalk. Does that change your opinion? <laughs> Wait. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Mm. You trigger up the beanstalk, you discover into another. Mm. Oh, what if you live the dream in modern, okay? You play this, draw a card up off the beanstalk, get a Bloodbraid Elf into Charlotte's Agent, into up the beanstalk. <laughs> into up the beanstalk. I don't think and this card All the while, you, you've just dealt your opponent like 8,000 damage, right? Oh, no. Wait, did all this resolve yet? Hmm. No. No, 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 wait, no, no. The planeswalker will be on the battlefield. Planeswalker, yeah. Oh yes, yes. Then you, yeah, then you yeah. would have dealt. You would have dealt six, six damage. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Richard's coming around. <laughs> Richard's coming around. <laughs> and I, I can already play Boros in my up the beat stock. This, this is kind of a meme card that we got to make work. Oh. <laughs> um, All right. All right uh, Bedrock tortoise. Three and a green, four mana value, a zero six. As long as it's your turn, creatures you control have hexproof. Each creature you control a toughness greater than its power assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. I put this on the list for two reasons. One is, is this card good? Like, this is 4 minutes 6-6 six, six, annoys your opponent's instant speed stuff, right? Like, that's pretty far above the curve. I was looking at, like, 4 minutes 6-6s, six, and they usually have some big drawback. This doesn't have a drawback. Second... Why do they have to word things so there's no drawback? This card makes me very salty. <laughs> like, it, it's like, have your cake and eat it, too. Where's the build around? Like, uh, like in the past with Dorn or something, it's like, oh, I got to build my deck. So I play high toughness, low power creatures. That'll be cool. This is like, eh, whatever. Like, just just throw it in any deck and it'll be it'll be fine. Like, because it if it's beneficial, its ability will work. If it's not beneficial, it doesn't work. So this card makes me a little salty. But do you think this card's good? It's green back crim. Is this giving you nightmares and? in standard is this the one i'm gonna be honest with you i uh i kind of forgot green exists <laughs> in standard <laughs> like it, it it's either all or nothing with that 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 color but like in the game like it's they're either the most broken deck <laughs> golgari is like 10 percent of the metagame it's, yeah. it's happening it's happening sure golgari <laughs> where it, you know like a very green deck yeah you got it <laughs> 
that's a black deck and you know it. Like the, the I don't I don't know why this would be good. I don't like Shouldered just, hits for five now instead of four. What, mm-hmm. Isn't there you know? another four yes. mana six six in yes. the set with like actual build? So four mana six six has been power crept for a long time now. Like you, you know, the black ones usually have flying or something. Usually they draw back Attached to, the middle, to a demon. No one cares. Yeah. So I don't know. Four mana six. You get hexproof, but only during your turn. That's yeah. a problem. Uh, in commander, this doesn't trigger any power stuff. So this doesn't. Power up your great hands or anything like that. It's true. I don't know. I feel its ability is kind of like if you're building a toughness deck, you're gonna make sure. Like I, I guess, like if you have like a two one or something, it still hits for two damage instead of one damage. <laughs> but like, is that really what we're optimizing for? <laughs> like, it's just a backup Doran that gives your creatures hexproof, so it's probably good enough. But I, I don't yeah. see the the modal part of the the combat damage mattering i like i guess you could play a six one in your toughness matters deck now and still deal six damage but like what like what card is that and why are we doing this uh there's like so in standard you got like shigiki is a one three you have the mana dork that's a zero three that eventually gets bigger after you exile a bunch of stuff from the graveyard like that's just a three three maybe there's some like mono green butts deck in standard with this uh no. Do, yeah. do we get some kind of evasion with this though? <laughs> like, <laughs> hmm. I haven't gotten that far yet. There, I don't think there's anything. You just gotta. You just gotta one human the... soldier versus massive tortoise <laughs> jumped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ends the, the day of there. Life. <laughs> All right. Uh, the gods. Which god do we want to talk about? Mm. Are any of them the actually animal? good? We talked about the red know. one a while ago because it got spoiled early. So I know we talked about the red one forever ago. I, All right, I let, think let, 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 let's go with uh, <clears throat> the Bat God. This is this is universes beyond uh, DC uh, preparation for us here. Three black <laughs> yeah. black. So it's a five man of four four flying lifelink. When it attacks, each opponent discards a card. For each opponent who can't, you draw a card. Whenever an opponent discards a land card, create a 1-1 black creature token with flying. And then when it dies, uh, when this thing dies, return it to the battlefield tapped and transformed under its owner's control. The backside is a land. You tap it for a black mana. Pay three, tap, transform temple back into the other side. Activate only if a player has one or fewer cards in hand and only has a sorcery. Yo, Bat God seems sick. <laughs> I love Bat God. I don't think it's going to like, I don't know how good it'll be in the standard, but I do think that Bat God is a cool card. Um, I, I like, I just, I don't know, I like these gods. They seem oddly balanced. You know what's funny? I mean, Scarab God and that whole cycle of like, you know, gods from Amonkhet was also slept on when it was in standard. Uh, like everybody thought they weren't going to be that good. So don't let anybody tell you otherwise. They they also thought it was bad. Uh, I, I there's a chance that maybe we're just missing it. And like there's a lot more of the set to come out. Uh, but I don't I know. These, I think, I think these cards are so played. bad for constructed. <laughs> I think really? these are all like I think really? these are all like commander cards. I think they're all like designed to be cool commanders. I don't know if they're really intended to see play like in standard the white one like triples tokens which is cool but i don't know you got mondrak in standard that doubles tokens for a lot less mana the blue one i thought was like what do you think of the blue one crim because i know you're kind of the the control player could you imagine actually playing it in a standard deck 
My uh, first thought was like you could build a cool commander deck around it, but I was like, ah, four mana four three, like that's I'm not really hyped about the stats. It's real slow to flip back around if it dies, because you gotta wait three turns because of the time counters. Is it more of like you're hyped about it for commander? Or do you think it could actually show up in standard? I think this card is a standard card. I mean, a, a, a commander card. The blue, the blue god, and then the white god is definitely a commander card. But like a token, I, yeah, yeah. But I think the black and red one, those have legs to stand on in standard. I think those are very good. Of course, the problem here is that uh, bat god comes down at five mana. Doesn't exactly do anything right away. So that's the biggest problem. You do have to have some some pieces in place already. If you're able to like have a lily on board already or something like that that's upticking, then sure, this will just pull you so far ahead. But its ability only triggers when your opponent discards a land, right? I guess that's still like... So there's some value there because your opponent probably wants to discard a land because a lot of times that's the least valuable card in their hand. So this kind of is like punishing your opponent if they're like, oh, just get rid of the extra land. So it does something, but at the same time, like it doesn't always trigger. I've heard some people compare it to like Waste Knot and it seems like a very restricted Waste Knot because it only really, only really triggers on lands specifically being discarded. Well, but then there's also uh, like, yeah, like, like just, I think there's something about how sticky this could be and potentially a ramp spell as well, right? So just the resilience of it, uh, like, is kind of nice. What do you it's think, Richard? It's a good control finisher stabilizing kind of deal, right? Like, you, you slap it down. It has lifelink. You can stabilize. If they kill it, if they empty their hand trying to kill you, you can flip this back for more lifelinking goodness. So it's, like, slow, dirty, grindy card. Fine. Uh, I like the four mana ones for Commander better though. It's like really scuffed solemn. You you put it down. If they kill it, great. You got to land, <laughs> right? Yeah. You ramped. If they don't kill it, then oh, you got rebound on your spells, right? So like actually, it's like kind of decent for Commander, I think. Uh, except for the, the the white one is like the Winmore Super Dream, right? It's like ah. six mana to triple your tokens. You got to mm. untap with mm. it. But if you can untap with it, like boom. Right, have some fun. Wait, wait, what's the what's the tap trigger again? To activate only three or more creatures. Uh, if you attack. attack, okay. So to get it back, you gotta attack with three or more creatures. Yeah, I feel so, like I the know, white one. These are commander cool cards, things. but yeah. the black one I think is possibly standard playable. The red one I think is also good in standard. I've been burnt by Urobras too many times. These mythic red four drops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm done. I'm done with mythic red four drops in my burn deck. I've learned it took me <laughs> took me years, but I'm done. Uh, they are but super this... cool designs, though. Why is the blue one not a snake god? It's so weird to me. It's clearly a snake, and if you look at the showcase, it's like very, very like clearly, clearly a snake. Why didn't get the snake type when? The bat one got the bat. I don't understand well, why we have them, one bat god and the rest are just generic. None of them got so types except for the bat god. Yeah, why foreshadowing did... Batman. Universe oh, beyond. <laughs> obviously. Universe is beyond. I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, call. the other the other colors don't have any type. When they yeah, it's weird something. to have just one of them right? has a type. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll Maybe see. We needed cool a designs. bat commander. So they got a bat mm. god type. We, that might be. All right. Uh, the micro, the, the micro tyrant, Golgari, one black green, 
Star Star Power Toughness. It's an elder, it's a legendary elder fungus. Trample. Its power and toughness are each equal to the number of creatures you control that are fungi and or sapperlings. At the beginning of your end step, create X11 black fungus creature tokens with this creature can't block, where X is the number of times you descended this turn. And descended uh, counts. You descend each time a permanent card is put into your graveyard from anywhere. So only permanent cards. If they hit the, the graveyard, then you descend. Is this good? I, I mean, this seems like a fun commander card. How do you but, like, descend enough? Or do we have fungi so, sapling makers <laughs> to actually get this thing going? So I think if this works, so there's a lot of descended and descend cards in the set. So there's a big incentive to have permanents going into your graveyard if you're playing those mechanics. I would imagine you like play this in a deck that's pretty much all permanents and then like Cruel Somnophage or Urborg Lurgoyf to mill four cards, go to your end step, make four tokens. Like it seems like or a Seder Wayfinder, you're a Seder Wayfinder, you mill the cards, you make a bunch of tokens. It is three mana. Maybe that's like too slow, but it seems like in a self mill deck, this can easily be making like many tokens a turn, right? Like a lot, a lot of bodies on the battlefield. I yeah. Well, well it has to be permanence, right? So you, if you, yeah. if you mill spells or you're not spells, but instants or sorceries, that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yep. So your but mill spells have to be permanence <laughs> for, for this to work, kind of. <laughs> You but can that's also aristocrats like, this up. Like, mm -hmm. the, the fungus that you kill count towards Descended, right? So if you have, like, 10 fungus and you sack them all, end step, you make 10 back. Yep. So a free sack outlet could help. Actually, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if that works. Because it says a permanent no. card... And I don't is know it, if tokens token are card, card by the rules. I think that by the rules, tokens aren't cards, even though it's a permanent. We'd have to we'd have to ask Nia to, to confirm that that works because I heard someone say that it actually doesn't work. What do you oh, think of the? I told you I don't know how the set works. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> of this? Evaluate this. <laughs> what do you think of this mechanic? Like, is this mechanic actually good? We also have descend. Uh, so this was what descend, and then we have, or no, this was descended, and then we also have descend, which is like, uh, I don't know, what's the easiest example of descend? There's a oh the the new the new Demir God, the new Demir God, uh, the ancient one, two mana eight eight has descend eight, can't attack or block unless you have eight permanent cards in your graveyard. Then you can pay four mana uh, with Demir colors in there, draw and discard, and then mill equal to the card's uh, mana value. Are cards like this good? Like, so we've seen Delirium work, right? Delirium cares about having four different card types in your graveyard, but it also counts spells. Descend doesn't care what the types are in general. It just wants it to be permanence. Is this a, like, constructed playable mechanic? Is this, like, going to be pushed because you can easily play a bunch of permanence and self-mill and turn this on? Or is this going to be horrible because a single Soul Guide Lantern or a Leyline of the Void or Rest in Peace just, like, absolutely ruins your day? Like, where does this where does this fall, Krim, do you think, for 60-card formats? The mechanic in general. I like the mechanic. As in, like, like I don't like the naming of it, right? Because Well, no, close. like, playing with it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, playing with it, I like it. It seems, that's why I think it's a lot of it, it seems really powerful, right? But like, 
Also, everything in this set is like fight rigging friendly. Uh, yep. Like, like there's it's still a lot of power and depending on how you build this, right? Like that exact uh, Urborg Lurgoyf deck, right? This kind of has a home there as well. And then you also have Faithless, uh, what is it? Not Faithless Looting, uh, Likeness Looter. There's like ways for yep. you to like interact with your own graveyard again uh, fr from like, you know, those who may not, may have forgotten that Wilds of Eldraine just came out a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, like Likeness Looter is another thing. So it seems like there's a lot of cool ways to get permanence into your graveyard. Uh, I, I like this mechanic. I think it's going to be powerful. And one I of the things they did is add a lot of permanents that work like spells in this set to try to like up the permanent count, like discard that's yeah. a or removal, things like that that are attached to permanents. But uh, what do you what do you think about this mechanic, Richard? Sorry, I was gonna say I really like the synergy with Aldrain. Uh Adventures are permanents, but they're spells. Yep. Uh, so <clears throat> there there are these like cute ways to to get this to work, um, but. I don't know. This is just like more stuff you need to count. <laughs> like same with, uh, so upon thinking about Descended, I'm pretty sure it doesn't work with tokens because there's no way to count them. Like you, you'd have to remember it, right? Like the, the way you would normally count this is you go to your graveyard and count the number of things that you find in there from this turn. Uh, so, but it's just like more stuff you need to count. Like Tarmogoyf check, but for, for everything, right? Like Delirium had this problem. Delirium was playable. Like, the mechanic was not strong Delirium enough. Delirium was people, a whole deck. Yeah, they, people didn't feel the need to stuff main deck graveyard hate. Uh, but, you know, so it was somewhat effective, right? But Descend, Descend must be super powerful, right? Because once the graveyard hate comes, your deck does nothing. So yeah. if there's no graveyard uh, hate, you should be winning. That's kind of the, the graveyard dread strategy. I don't know if it looks powerful enough to do that, though. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, we it is weird answer. that it's permanence. It's delirium was any type of cards, right? So now it's just another thing you need to remember. Well, we have to answer the age-old question: Did Dredge get a new toy? <laughs> no. <laughs> but no I was, a lot of people have asked me about this, and my thinking on Dredge is that Dredge doesn't just want big creatures. I think the closest thing that there is uh if there's if there's a creature that makes it in dredge i think it's souls of the lost i think is the name of it uh because dredge just being big isn't enough i think you either need to have the dredge mechanic or fill the graveyard souls of the lost is kind of interesting it's a two mana star star plus one its power and toughness is equal to the number of permanent cards in your graveyard toughness that plus one so it's going to get really big and it's additional cost to cast this spell discard a card or sack a permanent this one i think is actually intriguing to me and dredge because not only is it big it's also turned to discard my dredge card maybe that's still not enough but the ones that don't actively fill the graveyard i don't think are going to make it at modern dredge maybe we can do some like standard dredge or something or like uh, a historic dredge but i don't think they make it in modern dredge wouldn't you well, just play thrill of possibility or something <laughs> like this is what you cared about because that comes with the card draw as well so Dredge has Cathartic Reunion and Thrill of Discovery are the two big ones they play right now. That's kind of the question. Like, is there any value, There's Richard? There's so many just... more of those, though, right? <laughs> like, you we're can in the play modern more of those. Pool. You can play There's more the... of them. What about the Brotherhood's End? Which one is that? The one where it's like, it's the same effect, but on an enchantment, but gives haste. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one you could also play. What do you think, Richard? Is there any argument to just being like, hey, this is a two mana 10-10 in my deck or whatever? Like, does Dredge care? 
I still get solitude in, yeah, so think, who cares? Yeah, I, don't think Dr- <laughs> I, I think Dredge cares about ways of fighting through graveyard hate rather yeah. than trying to get bigger. Uh, so I don't think it cares about this. And you would just play Thrill of Possibility 2 or whatever. three. There's like so many versions of that card. Like if you just needed a discard outlet, like there's so many ways of doing it that I don't think you, you want. Well, and this also has no evasion, right? Like... It could be as what about as it what Just about standard? Up. What about standard Grim? We got this. We have Herberg Lurgoy. We have Cruel Somnophage. We got Souls of the Lost. We were just talking about. There, we got the new Demir God. There's this huge. You could play like twenty Herberg Lurgoy. So these two mana fill your graveyard. I'm going to be a ten ten creatures. Is it finally going to work? Is this a set that finally makes Herborg Lurgoyf into a standard card? If this set doesn't do it, I'm giving up. Like, this is it. Like, this is your last chance, Herborg Lurgoyf. If all these cards are not enough to make you a playable card, then I guess you're just not going to work in 2023. You're also forgetting about the Gurk, the, like, the, the, the Slogurk. Mm, uh, Slogurk, like, yeah, like, yes. There's, there's a lot that you could do with graveyard stuff, right? But my question is, like, to this whole archetype and everything in standard is you are praying that sunfall does not get casted (laughs) (laughs) you are praying sunfall and farewell you like if one of those cards are casted goodbye like thank you thank you for playing this game (laughs) i hate those cards and they're and those aren't like sideboard cards right like those are like no in the main, the main deck. deck so it's a little scary i think that it's not that like these cards don't boost the power of goif it's that literally just the best answers in this format are all exile yeah everything is exile wandering emperor exiles everything exiles and soul guide lantern exists and soul guide lantern is like pretty main deckable because it cycles like and it's colorless. If we ever got to a point where the Urborg Lurgoyf deck was dominating, it would be pretty easy to jam four of them in your main deck and like not lose a whole lot. Because worst case, they cycle for two mana. So I, I feel like there's some natural checks on the archetype's power in case it gets too out of control. Everyone's yeah, main like deck everything graveyard is, hate already. Like this but it's is the passive. Problem. It's passive hate, right? Like, like graveyard trespasser, and yeah, like but, Lord. Like you Skitter. have to do that, right? Because there's so many powerful graveyard things going on that people are playing this graveyard hate main deck so you come along with your uh, descended deck or whatever right like it's it's kind of scuffed right it's yeah. like playing dredge into a meta where everyone's main decking play lines <laughs> already because some other graveyard like i don't know hogak or something is, is happening right like so it's weird that they chose this uh mechanic given that we know how xl heavy standard is and how uh, we have so much powerful graveyard recursion already that people are, are ready for it. So, yeah. Brass's Tunnel Grinder. It's a three-mana red legendary artifact. Uh, when it enters a battlefield, discard any number of cards and draw that many cards plus one. At the beginning of your end step, if you descended this turn, put a boar counter on Brass's Tunnel Grinder. Then if there are three or more boar counters on it, remove those cards and uh, remove those counters and transform it. Is this, is this land hate? Tap. <laughs> Add red. <laughs> Whenever you cast a permanent spell using mana produced by uh, Teclican, discover X, where X is that spell's mana value. Huh? <laughs> we so, were digging okay. real deep, and then we just discovered. <laughs> That's the flavor <laughs> But we card. discovered it. Yeah, we, we struck oil or whatever. Yeah, like, 
is this card really good for what so I like it for standard, but this seems like a card that you would jam in any red deck in Commander. So when I first saw this, it's basically Valakut Awakening. One of the MDFCs I play in every deck in its colors, except it has the upside that you actually fill your graveyard rather than uh, rather than putting the cards on the bottom. So it's like a the front half is an upgraded Valakut Awakening. The downside is you can't just play it as a land. The land kind of has suspend of this staying on the battlefield for three turns. But then if you get the land, it cascades every turn. Like, it discovers every turn. It's it's kind of ridiculous. It's way stronger than, like, an MDFC land because it actually has an ability. How strong is it? Is this, like, a red stapling commander? Okay. Yeah, like, like there. it's a very powerful card in commander, but hear me out. Uh-huh. Urobrask. Or drop Urabrask. Wait, what does Urabrask do? Nothing, because I realized that Discover (laughs) X goes into only permanence. No, it goes into a spell. Yeah. It goes into a spell. Yep. So, dude, hold on. So then four mana Urabrask, you you build, you slowly build a deck that is going to storm people out. (laughs) Come on. That could be sweet. Right? Because I know you said you were burnt by Urabrask. I have been burnt by Urabrask. Now your opponents can be burnt by Urabrask as well. <laughs> because you're going to cascade into a million burn spells in standard. There's already a red Urabrask, like, like kind of like burn-esque like storm deck that people try to play. Could this go Like in me. Then they get, yeah. uh, lose every time. But yeah, it could well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, isn't this card... Just fine. Like, it lines up very poorly with Shieldred. That is one concern. The the mass looting effect, not obviously ideal in a Shieldred format. But other than that, like, I like this card a lot, and I think it's actually playable. What do you think, Richard? Am I overrating this one? Cars doo-doo. What are we talking about, standard <gasps> or commander? What are we MDFC, talking about here? MDFC. Standard, standard How is it terrible? It costs three mana. <laughs> but it's, then it turns this, into this a land eventually. Weird mana rock. But, like... <laughs> First of all, you're not snapping off Valkyrie Awakening on turn three, okay? You're like sandbagging that card until you have like eight lands in hand somehow, it's and true. then you snap it off. And then you got to wait three turns. So the turn you play, you you had to have cracked a fetch land or something. Yep. And then you wait two additional turns. Uh, and then it gets the flip, and then all you do is just discover something like. <laughs> Like, like primal amulet exists, like all these like cards that like double your spells exist. Like, this is a lot of work. Yeah, is, is wizards paying you to 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 shield to this play, card, Seth? I have to play all the the bad artifacts. <laughs> no. Wait, wait, this doesn't seem like a card I like. You get to loot and fill your graveyard, and then it flips into a land that cascades or discovers, like. In three turns, I it's remember. Totally going to get shattered uh, okay. in the meantime, and Do then you it remember? just becomes Do a you, land. Uh, do you remember last Ixalan? Weren't these cards really good? Remember, like, Search for His Conta was a staple. Treasure yes. Map was a staple. Yes. Uh, Azur's Gateway saw Fringe play. Like, um, several of these, like, flip into a land effects actually ended up being pretty good in standard. So maybe I'm, like, overrating this because I remember those being good. So I'm not, like, intimidated by, oh, you got to play this thing and wait a couple of turns because they work last time around. And then... I just think Cascade is like super strong. So seeing a land we that has Discover on it is very exciting. So you could think of this as uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, where you played Uh-oh. it and your your goblin instantly died. Okay. <laughs> so then their second upkeep, you get to loot. So here you go, right? You you get to you get to chuck some cards, refill your hand, and then you gotta wait 
another eternity for it to flip into the thing that can clone your stuff. <laughs> this will give you a discover. That was super also, playable. That didn't feel too slow. So, but maybe the goblin token had everything to do with it. If it didn't come with the goblin token, would we be talking about fable? Uh, Probably not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it doesn't do enough up front. Although like, uh, we have descend as a mechanic. This fills your graveyard. It's like doing all those yeah. kind of things. So there's like a lot of little synergies. The backside, I think, is... I mean, anytime you get an extra land on the battlefield, it's good. But this is actually a good land. Plus, we do have proliferate in standard. So you could always, like, speed up the flipping a little bit to, like, proliferate once to get it a turn earlier. You know how everyone's so grindy? Like, maybe this is fine. This is, like... Yeah. It's like a, a, let's say it's a three mana do literal nothing, but in five turns you come online and you start winning the game. <laughs> that may actually be playable in, in standard. Like if we're so slow and grindy, mm. like maybe you can just take turn three off and do something not effective. And then it's like the one ring, right? You take turn four off, do nothing. Up the beanstalk, it, take turn two off, do nothing, yeah. and then just win with some incredible late game. Maybe maybe this is actually better. Maybe Seth is right. Maybe you could actually pull this off in standard. I'm I'm uh, excited to try it. You can try to pull it off, yes, but is it good? <laughs> right? Like, is it the good? The problem is someone can just, like, shatter this artifact in the meantime, right? And then, like, you just wasted all your time doing nothing. Yeah, but then you descended me. Hmm, did you think of that? That's a permanent going in the graveyard opponent. <laughs> Didn't play around it. <laughs> okay, Molten Collapse. Black, red. So two mana values of sorcery. Choose one. If you descended this turn, you may choose both instead. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. Destroy target non-creature, non-land permanent with mana value one dollar or less. Is John <laughs> back on the menu, less. boys? <laughs> I mean, this is... Dreadbore Powercraft, right? Strictly better Dreadbore. Yeah, like, literally, if you're playing Dreadbore, move over, you play this instead. So Pioneer Staple... Dreadboar coming to Arena for the first time, Krim. That's one of the pioneer cards that has not made it to Arena yet. So now we don't even need Dreadboar because we got this because it's just better. Plus, is this enough of an upgrade to make it in Modern? That's where the question for me is. I heard, like, Minguchi talking about how Dreadboar is one of his scam cards. It's, like, right on the edge where he, like, it goes in and out and he's tried it. Is this enough of an upside to actually have a Modern playable Dreadboar, that second mode when you crack a fetch land? I think it's pretty good. Amulets, but, it kills. Yep. Hardened scales, any uh, Oslith, any of that stuff. Random it kills hammers. Kills, it kills hammers. Cigar does aid. Engineered explosives, chalice. Gets rid of both of those. Is Judd back on the menu? Judd might be back. <laughs> what if I just put this in scam and play a real deck? It also uh, pitches yeah, like, to grief <laughs> and fury, which is an upside. It does but pitch to two elementals. Fatal push, right? You just need a. You just need a chuck a fetch land right yeah. and then you can do this on turn two this is good this has to be playable and modern like i think it is there are red black decks the like, most popular scam. deck in the format is a red black deck so i don't think this helps jund in any way but scam should definitely be playing this no or at least sideboard i think I it's mean, enough of an upside to make it worth it what do you think rim elementals help you descend Right, that's this also ooh, that's true. Right, like that's true. So obviously, though, it's it, yeah, it comes in, it sacks itself, it does its thing. Then you get to descend and pick off more stuff. Like, I don't know. This feels pretty good. 
how big of a deal do you think it is, Krim, for Arena? Because we've never had Dreadbore. That's one of those cards where I'm always like, why is this missing? Why That's such an easy card to make. Why haven't you added that to Arena yet? Does this shake anything up in Explorer, do you think? Does it, like, how big of a deal is a Dreadbore? Rakdos Midrange, right? Yep. Which is played uh, already. Uh, I think this will go all the way back to, like, Historic. Right? Like, because like, treasures do not count. I don't no. believe tokens can descend. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty okay, yeah. sure they don't. Uh, at least I think maybe, maybe then like at least, yeah. You know what? I, I could see like Jund Cat and stuff like that and all these decks. Like, yeah, this, this has play all the way back to historic. I think so. It snipes Witch's Oven. It snipes yeah. Pithing Needle that's shutting down like your one ring or a Planeswalker or like whatever. I think there's a lot of upside. I think worst case, it's maybe it's maybe it's like it is in Pioneer, where a lot of times in Pioneer Rakdos, you see like a Dreadborn in the main and another one in the side. It might be something like that. Are we jamming four of these in the main in Historic? Probably not. But I think some number of these will definitely show up in Rakdos decks in those formats. This card is so efficient on mana, I think. And like if you ever get to do both, that's nuts. Yeah. It's a scam. I'm like, it can kill Leyline Binding, right? Because you always cast it for one, one <laughs> yeah, man. That, <laughs> yeah, that counts. Yeah. That's how that works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Those are, I think, all the previews uh, we have time to hit up. Uh, check them all out, mpgpreviews.com. There are a ton of cards we haven't talked about. Uh, there are Jurassic Park cards as well. There's so the Commander cards we haven't gotten to. There's the 8,000 variants of each card. You can check out Quintarius uh, in every frame imaginable. Uh, so yeah, check out mtgpreviews.com. And I think that brings us to the end of episode 457 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. Oh yeah, Richard, no fish mail this week, but uh, in case we get to it next week, how do people send in fish mail? All right, hit us up on uh, Twitter at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. So that brings us to the end of today's cast. Richard Graham, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Park Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about the rest of Ixalan and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a lovely week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out.